Do you or someone you know struggle with overcoming lust? Today on the show, Chris is joined by Steve Picorni, the founder of Redeemed Vision, a one-to-one coaching ministry dedicated to helping men and women overcome their attachments to lust and addictions to pornography. Steve shares his own powerful story and talks about what makes his ministry different from the many ministries out there today. You're not going to want to miss this one. All right, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Chris. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm really glad that you decided to join us. It's This has been a, a few months in the making, actually, so I'm glad we finally made this work. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, it's funny. I like to say t- God's, time, God's timing is flawless, and so whatever hiccups we may have, yeah. um, he's just kind of arranging pieces. That's, that's right. That's right. So um, so let's get into this. So, so, Steve, tell me a little bit about your story um, and what led you to start the really cool ministry of Redeemed Vision. Sure. So I come from like a lot of people today. I come from a broken home. I, I mean, things seem to be pretty good up until I was five. Uh, my father came from uh, a, a, a stint in the military. He fought in Vietnam and he brought, he brought that, that war home with him. And there was a lot of depression and there was a lot of angst there. And um, he wanted to also get rich quick to provide for our family because he struggled. Like you and I being, being husbands and fathers, right? We know the in, day in, day out grind that comes in. And there's the temptation that's out there to cut corners. So my dad um, thought if he put our house in the stock market and the deal won, we would be on easy street. Well, unfortunately, the deal lost. And he thought the way in which to provide for our family best would be by killing himself because he's a vet. We would get something from that. Oh so gosh. he went into the garage. He cl- closed the garage door, turned on the engine. Half an hour later, when my mom pulled him out of there, um, his short-term memory was gone. He got moved to a hospice, uh, not to a hospice, to a, um, to a nursing home. And that's pretty much my experience of my father growing up. I wow. didn't really know my father didn't really have that intimate relationship. And all of us, I think, are craving for that relationship more than anything in, in all the things that we're doing. And certainly this would come out in a variety of ways. I, for me, as a, as a young boy, six or seven, eight years old, I remember writing in my journal, I, um, I should kill myself, like father, like son. I hated myself. I saw dark clouds above in the sky. Fast forward to when I was a 17-year-old boy, a young man. I was, um, my doctors had run tests on my dad and discovered that he had developed brain and lung cancer, brain and lung cancer. And he got moved to a hospice. And I went in to go speak with him in his room all by myself. And I was just real. And I had said, dad, you left me. You walked out of mom. You weren't there for Brian. You abandoned me, Brian is my brother. And for a brief moment, um, his eyes cleared up and he said, I know. And that was his way of saying, I'm sorry. And so for the first time in my life, I was able to begin forgiving my father, which if any of us knows, forgiveness is key to any relationship. None of us is perfect here, sadly, I try. Um, but I fail. Just ask my wife. <laughs> and um, so um, 
so three weeks later, less than three feet away, I lost my father for a second time. Now to understand the next part of the story, you got to go back to seventh grade, an infamous year I got busted for shoplifting. Um, if my grandparents wouldn't have pulled me out of that situation, um, I would have, um, this would be a different story perhaps. It was also the year in which I got exposed to pornography for the first time. And this is before the internet hit. And I'm seeing images, seeing videos on VHS tapes, uh, sharing with a friend of mine at the time, uh, this movement of lust here, this, this excitement, this arousal here, but these can very greatly confused inside and not sure what to do about this. And on the, uh, on the, the other side, in addition, is this guilt and shame that started growing and growing and growing in me. And I didn't know what to do with this. Just emotionally, in what it would, I discovered years later, it, is it would emotionally stunt me. Because as the catechism says, uh, paragraph 2332, um, sexuality form, helps us to form bonds of communion with others and to create this integration. It's supposed to integrate us as body and soul. Well, from this young time, this is crucial formation of my sexuality uh, as in my masculinity was being severed. And so I, I had this dual life, basically, right? I, I was an outgoing guy. I'm still very outgoing. Um, my wife is the interior. Uh, she likes to say, I, uh, Steve has a fun bubble. I get to be in the fun bubble every once in a while. And then she, as an introvert, needs to go off to her quiet time. So those who are introverts, I have finally understood that there are two types of people. There are introverts and there are those who are boring. I'm kidding. There are introverts, <laughs> extroverts, right? So, right. So, um, so, but, so I had this exterior personality. I'm all very happy and joyful, but I'm, uh, but on my quiet private viewing times and the internet hits obviously. And I, it really exposed in this. Um, then I get torn apart here. I mean, torn apart interiorly, but, like anything we do in our private time, um, there's no such thing as um, what I do in my bedroom um, is nobody else's business, okay, in a certain sense, because it affects all people that I integrate, interact with. And how it, it experienced, my, I, my experience was I would see women who I would be, have this attraction to, but there would be this projection of anger towards them. Like, I, I, something in me I don't want to lust, but because I'm, I grew up Catholic, I know it's wrong, but I can't help myself. So I project this anger upon the women around them. And they're just being women. They're just being who they are. They're not trying to show off. And if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't be so beautiful, I wouldn't have to lust after you. And so instead of taking responsibility for what I had going on inside me, I projected this blame, blame upon them. And so there really was this, this pent up, powder keg inside of me so and again my my typical i got in this huge cycle right uh chris you ever seen a bug's life movie long time ago yeah <laughs> long time ago okay so date night go pull go pull it back out okay and I, why they haven't made a sequel to that or now a live version of uh, of bug's life because they're making everything live version. Um, i don't know how they're gonna do that so um <laughs> we'll see so um so anyway so uh in the beginning, towards the beginning of the movie, there's two mosquitoes hanging out at the uh, the bug, zap, bug zapper, and one of them says, "Frank, stay away from the light," and the other one says, "I can't help it; it's so beautiful." Right? Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so, 
So uh, that's an analogy of where my life was, right? This stuff is so attractive, so powerful. And years later, I would learn about all the chemicals in the brain and how literally it's on our own willpower, it's impossible. And I was just drawn into this and I was getting zapped emotionally constantly. And so my typical week would be like, I'd be drawn to this, I'd, I'd, I'd lust, I'd masturbate, feel guilty. I, I know it's wrong. I go to confession because I'm the good Catholic, right? That's what we do. And then, and, and again, I'm not here to not confession at all. Confession is awesome, okay? Um, but then this stuff's too powerful and I'd be draw me right back in, okay? And maybe it was more than, more than once or three times a week, right? Just drawn into this. I didn't know what to do with this and I had nobody to talk about, talk to about this. And, mo and I mean, how, even today, how many of us have really ever heard a homily on, on the issue of pornography? We don't, okay? Very, very rarely, even though this is the 572,000 pound elephant in the room, okay? So many men and women are dealing with this. And so I was just crippled interiorly, and I'm looking for answers. Around the time um, my, my mom actually would pass away from cancer also, um, when I was a year and a half before my dad, and what that experience shared for me was I began actually praying. I started, started having an actual lived relationship with Jesus Christ, which was, which was very important. But I was still very much, as St. Paul would say, an infant in the, in, the, in the faith. I still had a lot to do, a lot to learn about things. And um, getting, into, um, getting into high school, uh, through high school, getting into college, um, I was trapped in this. I felt, um, I felt like this is just how how life is going to be and actually i go into seminary and in seminary uh sadly in many places the formation um on sexuality was very lacking where i went um and i was undergrad okay um there was a, a a gentleman by the name of joe who had a gold star program and he wanted to i think it was for lent for every day that you didn't masturbate you get a gold star okay and i think everybody failed Okay, this is the, like this is a huge thing, but there, I, I very rarely remember us really getting deep into this in our formation. Like this is a really important issue that we got to talk about, and so this is just a part of my life. And I think I I probably lied on there like once, right? Because I'm ashamed, right? I'm shamed, and I'm I'm not a man of integrity at that point, or striving to be a man of integrity, and and hi, really hiding here. And so uh, after uh, after four years, uh, three years undergrad, one year major, I left there. Because um, I believed I was called to marriage, but this thing was hanging over me, tearing over me. I like to equiv uh, equivocate it with, uh, or or an analogy with that of uh, of a woman who had an abortion, who killed her child 30 years ago, right? Was involved with that for whatever reason, going to confession week after week, hearing she's forgiven, but couldn't forgive herself. I thought this is my cross. I'll have to carry this the rest of my life, and I'll ne I'll never be free. I'll never be done with this. God has other plans though, right? Tell God your plans and he's going to laugh at you and laugh with you perhaps. And then gently or not so gently kick you in the butt to get you where you need to go, right? So I was led to Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Okay. Solid university. I'm getting a thumbs up here. I'll, I'll take that, Chris. Yeah. I, so, I went I went to Franciscan. So <laughs> there you go. What year were you? Uh, well, I only went one, one year, but I was there from 2005 to, that, to 2006. Yeah, we were there. I, I we might have bumped into each other. Who oh, hilarious! <laughs> were you in a household? I was. I was a grad student, so I just graduated oh. in, in uh, two thousand five. Okay, cool, cool. And so we, we might have seen I each other. 
<laughs> yeah, and I became a townie for the next year developing a <laughs> ministry. So nice, nice. Out. Okay. <laughs> by the way, all you listeners, anyway, like just go to Steubenville. The campus is one thing, town is a whole nother Yeah, whole nother yeah. Yep. <laughs> we're talking so, like we're 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 using Franciscan isms, like yeah. <laughs> for yep. sure. For sure. Yep. Yeah. So Chris, you're going to become very. You'll be. You'll know what I'm talking about. For those who who uh, aren't aware, every every uh, first Saturday of the month when school's in session, they've got these things called Festival of Praises or FOPS. We like to use the lingo. Um, picture about 2,000 people praising God in music and song. You know, like our evangelical and Protestant brothers and sisters like to do, but we do it Catholic style. Um, really doing that. Sometimes they bring out Jesus in the Eucharist um, for worship and adoration. And in that time, um, there was also some prophecy, and it was from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19. Behold, I'm doing something new. Do you not perceive it? Streams of living water will begin to flow. And whereas I had been drinking from the proverbial septic tank for decades or more, I hadn't, had missed the fact that there's this fresh water that's available for me. So somewhere along the line, I really, you know, going to Franciscan, going to daily mass there, moved to gratitude for what Jesus Christ had done for my life. His dying, his, his suffering, his dying, his rising and ascending for me, me personally. And I think that's a, a key feature here, Chris, that to talk about, and maybe we want to jump, jump off at some point. You know, I think a lot of us as Catholics, we miss the intimacy that's going on here. We do it it's, we, on daily rigors. This is just what I have to do. And we don't get to the meat of what this is, that this is a love story. So I, um, about two weeks later, Wednesday mass, receiving the Eucharist, um, I realized I'm, I'm praying afterwards and I realized it's not just Jesus that's moving me to gratitude, it's the Father. It's the one that I thought had abandoned me, had walked out on me, had left me. No, he'd always been there. This is my heavenly father who simply wanted me to climb up into his lap and be held. And it's enough. And there's this intimacy of father and son that finally I, I was able to open myself up to. And then it happened. Boom, 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 boom. These chains hit the floor. I experienced this first tangible experience of freedom from lust. As I, as I would find out in the next four months, this experience of, as I'm walking around, this, not this movement of anger towards my sisters in Christ or, or, or sisters in humanity. I wanted to use them or I'm online. I didn't have a web, I didn't have a web filter on my, on my computer and there's nothing. Like I'm, not, I'm like, oh my gosh, like God, what, what are you doing here? What's happening here? Well, like Peter, who took his eyes off Jesus and sank back into the waves, I sank back hard into the septic tank. And the ultimate reason is he needed to get to the full root of all of this. He wanted to give me that little tangible taste of, of freedom, of interior freedom, because it's not freedom from just, um, I, I, have, I have a web filter on my, on my computer and I can't get to it. It's this, I have this interior notion where I see the septic tank for what it is, and the very thought of wanting to do that would make me want to vomit, right? So I had a taste of that, and it was real, and I, I mean, 
unbelievable. Well, think back hard into this because I didn't have all the pieces. And uh, one experience that was pretty big was on a Saturday night. Um, yeah, Saturday night. My neighbor behind our house, and we were we were poor grad students. We were too cheap to have internet access, but he didn't. He he, he had it. He let me come over and mooch on his internet. He was gone for one weekend, and I went over to his house. This is April in Ohio. You know what I'm talking about. It's miserable. It's cold and rainy, right? Dreary. It's kind of like the state of my soul at that point. And there was um, at 10:30 at night. From then till 5.30 in the morning, I'm searching, 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 searching for that one image or that one video, that one thing is going to get it's the end all be all of all pornograph pornographic haze and lust, right? Well, guess what? That doesn't exist, people, okay? Because we're made for real love and life. And I was just afraid. I was a porn zombie, right? Trying, like, I love my sleep and I took NyQuil to try to knock myself out. It was miserable. I can't, all these images are flying through my head. For the next two days, man, I, it's it like being a caffeine junkie but without the caffeine, okay? All those chemicals, it was a wreck. Hated it. Hated it, hated it. And so over the course of the next few years, I've been searching in adoration, going and he wanted me to get the lived experience of knowing I can't do this without his help okay and then pieces would be added to which I'd be able to to put this into a beautiful system later on to do this much quicker but he needed me to experience the full brunt of this okay three huge things so one was I discovered and, and again I had a lot of trauma in my life losing my parents young was a big deal uh, most people who are getting into pornographic situations who are, are seeking lust, looking, not using their sexuality as a gift. It stems from some sort of childhood trauma, typically. Okay. So I discovered something called theophastic prayer, given, shared with me from my uh, father, Dave Morier, who's a, who's a uh, Franciscan priest, who began this process. I'd work with other people where they, the emotions are like smoke that lead to a fire. And so doing that in deep prayer, there was healing that happened. It was good. And then I discovered something called intensive trauma therapy, where um, it sounds scary. It's not. Calm down, Chris. Um, where we get the, had the ability to, um, to draw and write. And, this, and so much of my shame was wiped out, especially on a day three. I did one week worth of this, processed 21 of 35 traumas. And there was a ton of healing because we processed and worked through my pornography stuff because I'd never talked to anybody that in depth on this thing before. Okay. It was unbelievable. And then the keystone would come a few, a few years later where I really delved into and entered into the beauty of the church, the beauty of the body being exposed appropriately, especially through Catholic iconography. Okay. Especially where like Mary breastfeeding Jesus in what we call Maria Lactanes, seeing the truth of the human body, the truth of the female human body. This is not a source of temptation, but it is a source of entrance into the mystery of God himself, that he has created us male and female to reveal this to the world. And it is our very naked bodies, our human bodies that are good in themselves, created good, but it is pornography that has taken that and twisted that reality. And reality is 
especially in our churches, we are not given the opportunity to see the body correctly. And when there's, and because nature abhors a vacuum on a, on a basic level, right? If we're not getting what is a natural desire and natural need, a, a good need met in a healthy way, well, if this, this thirst is there, we're going to go seeking other ways. And so I, I am on this podcast today to proclaim to you, I am a man who would rather die than lust. I know infinitely the difference. There is an infinite difference between the two of them. And to those who are hearing this, I want to encourage you that this is good news, that this is meant for you, especially if you're struggling with this or you know a loved one or you know a friend. And I guarantee in your parish right now, there are people, lots and lots of people who are dealing with this uh, because it's the number one sin confessed in the confessional. But sadly, very few people know what to do about it. That's a little bit of my story. Awesome. Thank you so much. Like, um, yeah, just hearing your story, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Like I relate so much with it. Um, I too grew up without a dad. Um, and there's that, um, that father wound that, that really does, it does exist and it really does, you know, create in your soul, in your heart, in your mind, that, that vacuum where you're constantly looking for, for that acceptance, that love, that, um, you know, uh, just, yeah, that approval, that, that loving gaze of the father that looks on you and says, you're good. You know, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, you know? So, um, and I, and I think the, if we look at the statistics, you know, the, the Catholic church is not exempt from, um, the, the blight of divorce and, and all of this. Um, and so it affects all of all, so many men, so many men. And even in, uh, in households where the father is present, um, he may not be actually present. You know what I mean? Um, and especially because of this, um, because of things like pornography, because of things like, um, just especially in this culture, the, the need to be constantly busy, um, and successful. And, you know, you've got men who are working, you know, 13, 14 hour a week, you know, days and coming home and exhausted and unable to really be there for their kids. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I, I see that this is not just a, you know, we don't see this problem just on the, you know, more, um, Novus Ordo side of Catholicism. It's also, it's also on the traditional side too. Father, Father Chad Ripperger even talks about the fact that, um, you know, so many, uh, traditional Catholics deal with lust. I've got a quote here. He says, um, I'm not saying this as my own perception, although it is true that I noticed this some time ago. This is something that traditional priests are starting to discuss because it's becoming a serious problem. Why is this? He says, well, it's pride. Pride is the vice in which a person judges himself greater than he is. So what does God do? He allows you to lapse into the lowest, basest, vulgarest forms of sins in order to lower your estimation of yourself. Well, what's happening is, because traditionalists are so proud, they're really falling, falling into serious problems regarding the Sixth Commandment, and it's across the board. 
um, you were talking about how there was that period where you got a taste of it, but then you fell again even harder. And I know that to be the case for me too, that there's been times where I would struggle with this and I would think, you know what, I've got this under control. I'm, <laughs> I'm good, you know? And then boom, you just <laughs> go full force into sin again. And you're like, why, you know? Um, and I think I was talking with somebody this week. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, St. Therese of the Child Jesus. Um, She's a big part of my life. Is she? Okay. Because I think really what you're saying is talking really about the little way. You know, it's it's the, the idea that and, and it sounds so cutesy. I mean, the little way, it, it, it just it just sounds so cute. But it, I, I was listening to a, a Carmelite priest uh, talk about her this past week, and he was saying that Therese's spirituality is a, is it it's an adult spirituality because it it requires us to really really take control of our passions and our emotions and instead focus our attention on God, and in particular, God the Father. When you look at Therese and her relationship with Louis Martin, there was that incredible deep love that she had for him, that he had for her. And I think that was a, an incredible boost for her <laughs> you know, in her spirituality because it helped her to know better the love of God the Father. You know, so... Um, Anyways, yeah, just kind of getting off tangent there. But I just, as you were talking, I was thinking, wow, like, this sounds like St. Therese. Um, Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And, and, and her her whole thing, right? I mean, I think with her life, right, that, that simple path, and I, I think if, if it comes back to this whole thing, and, and this is going to connect with the whole observation of Father Rippinger, of uh, we complicate our relationship and we complicate our faith so much, right? We is like so many of us who have grew up, who we've grown up, born and bred Catholic, doing this week in, week out, and we forget what it's really all about, right? It's about seeking the heart of Jesus. But before we seek that heart, he seeks us and he wants all of it, right? You want to go, let's go English for a second, right? The hound of heaven, right? Mm -hmm. um, completely blanking on the author i know it's an english author yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know who, who is it do you remember i don't remember but i know the i don't book. remember either so <laughs> his i mean i'm totally blanking on it and it's like totally old english and i um i actually signed it to a client once and i was like let me reread this and i'm like okay i'm never signing it again but <laughs> the, the purpose because it's just it's it's archaic language and we're not comfortable with that right now um uh especially with emo there's no emojis in the poem i'm sorry but the whole notion <laughs> the whole notion is that like he is constantly pursuing us and he will either be all in all he will be have all of us or he will have none of us and what he wants and there's two choices when it boils down to it it's either a demonic possession where the evil one possesses all of us or it is a wholly intoxicating possession where instead of removing our free will we become fully ourselves because we are, we, oh Lord, you have created, for, created us for yourself, and we are only ourselves when we're fully yours, right? To paraphrase a little bit of St. Augustine there, right? So, and I think for a lot of us, especially in the pornified culture we find our, ourselves in, right? We taste that, for, that proverbial forbidden fruit, 
And then that guilt and shame is there. And we also think because nobody's talking about this, holy crap, I'm the only one here, right? And this is what's true for a lot of men, but now an increasing amount of women, because typically we've seen pornography use has been a male thing because it's because the and, and this is one of the things I call the BS detector on that men are visual. Okay. No, women are visual also. Just men seem to be we have this this one track mind, right? And it has everything to do with the way our brains are formed. We have 40% less corpus callosum connecting our left and right hemispheres, okay? Then women do, they, they are able to put all the pieces together. So it's not just visible, but visual for the women, they're able to take the whole thing in. But women are definitely visual, right? Try not brushing your teeth and having a piece of, I don't know, uh, <laughs> chicken in your tooth. If your wife is worth her pound or her weight in salt, she'll be like, honey, uh, you need to take care of that, okay? Yeah. She knows, she knows, but she still loves you. She still loves you guys, but you got to take care of that, okay? Yeah. So same thing, though, if if these go back to these women, right, they're being trained that there's no, again, there's no difference between men and women. That's what the androgyny of our culture, right? And if I'm going to get the love and, and, and respect and to fill up these genuine, genuine feminine desires in my heart, then I need to be brought like a broken man. And that's a lie. Both men and women need to be authentically who they are, and it's pornography that steals that from us, right? And the, the one of the keys going into this, and I think uh, bringing this whole uh, conversation piece full circle, is we we complicate the whole thing, and we keep trying to do things, right? If I take the traditional Latin mass movement, this is not to knock that by any means. There's it's beautiful. I'm Byzantine Catholic myself. Okay. So we have a very, our liturgy goes back to the fourth century. Okay. Sorry. There's no innovation, innovation <laughs> coming on that one. Okay. And, um, sorry, take it up with St. John Christensen and he will play you with his tongue. Um, so in this, right. Um, we think we have to do, we have to do all these things. I have to get all this perfectly. My Latin has to be perfect. My, my hand position positions have to be perfect here. And it's not wrong to have those positions necessarily, but if we're doing them to, to basically cover over the stuff, the brokenness that's inside of us, then it's it, go back to the words of Jesus, right? Go back to the, the gospels where the, the Pharisees and Sadducees were doing all the right things, right? But they're whitened sepulchers. They are empty tombs where they're dead inside. There's the dead men bones living inside of them. And, and, and Jesus certainly like hearing this, we're like, Oh, but it should be this notion. Like it hurts, but he's calling me more. He wants all of me. He doesn't want this just, surfaced it right so like to right now we're hearing a great deal about the the evil of clericalism of doing all of those who are rigid and things like that rigidity to the truth is not the problem okay it's when we're using that as a cover artist from a genuine living breathing relationship with jesus christ that puts a wall between us and others right and blinds us to the reality of others that's where the problem is and and when we are caked in this guilt and shame and and we're going we're doing we're seemingly doing all the right things i'm going to confession every time i fall over and over and over but i can't receive it i don't know how to receive it 
then I just we get set we settle the notion this is just the way life is. And all I have, all the hope that I have is coping mechanisms for the rest of my life. I'm gonna white knuckle the heck this thing out. And and then because I can't deal with this stuff, when anybody gets close in there, I'm gonna put a wall up. I'm gonna say, get away from me metaphorically or maybe literally, and I'm not gonna let you get close. And this is where in some quarters, and this is where the perceived notion of the uh, Latin mass communities in many places, it's a closed system. It's a cold system. And I live in, I live in South Texas in San Antonio. And so the notion of hace frío versus hace, hace calor, right? Are we hace calor with the Lord? Are we hace calor with, with others? This warmness to bring others. But if we don't, haven't received the love of Jesus Christ into us and, and allow that tenderness, and that mercy, and allow him into the brokenness, of, the brokenness of ourselves and allow him to begin to heal that. And again, may there be things that need to be healed throughout our life? Yeah, there are. Necessary, maybe. But the big things, those giant uh, planks in our eyes, he wants to remove those and he wants them out now. And the question is, will you let him love you? Will you let him come in and enter into that brokenness and that ugliness and drop the pride? Because there's fresh water here. <laughs> and it's good and I've tasted it and I keep drinking and it's awesome. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, with, with that, um, you know, one of the things that like a lot of us have been talking about <clears throat> has been this the 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 idea of isolationism right within within the trad movement and i mean within a lot of us i think we're all we all kind of tend towards that a little bit in this day and age you know we're all connected with our smartphones and whatnot but we're not actually building real community um and so i kind of wanted to, to dig into that because um with what you do in your ministry maybe we can kind of dig into that a little bit I want to talk about the importance of having real community and real people kind of walking with you. I don't really like the word accompaniment. I think it sounds fluffy, but um, but you know, I know that like you, you're for example a coach with this, and you are someone that that walks with people who are struggling with what you struggled with personally. Can you kind of talk about what makes that process more effective? Yeah, and I think that's this is crucially important, Chris, because we want to know that somebody's present to us. And I, 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 we can we could have a whole series on what technology is doing to us. And technology is good. Right now, we're using technology. We're all wired in here. You got headset on. I got one in my ear. Right, and, and so technology um, is can be a good. And the church does teach it's a good, but it certainly can isolate us. So. Again, the work I do, it's, it's called Freedom Coaching, freedom-coaching.net. Um, I do encourage you to come check it out. And so it's a one-to-one -one ministry, okay? Because there's, there's something, there's a value to group, group work getting together if they actually know how to solve the problem. That's a, a key point. So it's one-to-one -to, -one to break the attraction to pornified images to lustful behavior permanently. Okay, and so it's a four-part process, and how do we do it? And it's going to zero in exactly what you're talking about. So, number one is we look at a client's history. We look at their history through an emotional lens, and the emotional lens is really key because even if we've shared our experiences, usually when we're talking about those individual experiences, if there's been a wounding of our sexuality, it's a disconnect, a disintegration between reason and our emotions. And what we really need to do is let those out in a healthy way.
But instead of simply talking about these things, talking about them and going round and round in circles, there's something we can do and actually heal those emotions, to feel them and heal them, okay? So this is a, a key part to this. Second is we look at the, the brain chemicals, all the different chemicals that, stirred up, that are stirred up in the brain while viewing pornography or lustful images are the same chemicals that happen during, uh, during a healthy marriage, healthy marital intimacy and intercourse, um, but it's to a completely different result. And the reason for it, we were never meant to try to bond with a screen, okay? We were never meant to totally give ourselves to to an empty image. And by the way, you can't, you tried to do that long enough, you're getting electrocuted from your computer, okay? Don't do that, okay? Um, we were made for real relationship, right? And so this is where that, I like to say that fraying, just feel fray, feel thin inside emotionally, right? It's, it's like for myself when I don't go to, I don't receive the Eucharist long enough, I just feel I, something, I'm not as heavy as I need to be. It's filled up as I need to be. So the chemicals, just understanding that part, how that works, so many light bulbs come on for clients. Third, we look at the, the, the intimacy issue of, uh, of, of pornography, how it steals intimacy for us. And in turn, what that does to us, it steals our identity. And the reverse, when we come to know that we're a beloved son or daughter of God, when we live from that, that space, then we can have confidence. And then when I put myself out there in the presence of others in the world, then I don't have to be terrified because I lived in that terror for a long time. Like you're not, if I reveal anything of myself to you, I'm going to, you're not going to like what I see. There's going to be a rejection, right? That, that whole thing, Chris, that you talked about that lack of acceptance coming from the father wound, right? So many of us have been rejected by our parents uh, emotionally, mentally, maybe physically, and then we live behind this, this lens and we project this onto a ton of people, right? Um, and so first we have that, have that, a big part of this is getting that identity set with God, allowing to receive that, and then to enter into um, real relationships with others, right? Get off our smartphones, get offline, right? If we're spending way more time online, that's not for our job or something like that, then for our then in real relationships, building real, real relationships, then we're missing out on life. And, and time is going to go so quick. I mean, the whole net, net just take one thing. I, I have Netflix in our house. I still have it. I don't know why I still have to use it, right? Um, but like the auto feature, right? You got another, another movie coming up, another movie, another movie. And pretty soon, right, especially if you're a single guy, um, I don't know that time for a married man or a father. It ain't happening here, right? <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, Chris, yeah. right? Um, right? You could just you could lose the entire weekend, and then you you wake up Monday morning. You're like, what is what happened here, right? And I wasn't necessarily watching anything evil or dirty or bad, but man, I feel just grimy, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's like the whole binge watching uh, seasons one through seven of, of like 24 or something like that, yeah. okay? Jack, the, office. <laughs> the Office. The Office, whatever. Anyway, we can talk about that later. Yeah. So from, from here, right, um, we need to establish a genuine bonds of intimacy and it's gonna be offline, it's gonna be face-to-face. -face. Can you actually have a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody? Can you actually look someone in the eye and say hello? How are you today? Right. So many people. I, one story years ago, my a friend of mine lived at the uh, lived <laughs> technically lived at, at the Mac store. He was a an, a genius. No, don't tell him that again because he doesn't need any more pride. And <laughs> um, and literally, these kids would come in with smartphones and they would 
And they're like, hey, fix this. Fix it. We could you take care of it. Looking everywhere but in the eyes. Because there's the eyes are the wind of the soul. And so first we've got to learn how to be seen by the Father and then learn how to see others, what others are looking for. And that brings us to the fourth piece. And this is this is what brings it all together. And, and this is what especially the piece that I have not seen is um, I've not really seen it in any places. Most most things that are talking about pornography, trying to help out. First off, they're usually just talking about the problem. And we need to talk about the problem a whole lot more. Okay, this is the big, as I said, 572,000 pound elephant. Nobody's talking about it. Let's bring up the problems. Great. But then what do we do about it? As a guy, I'm, okay, the problem, okay, we've heard so much of the problem. What do you do about it? How do you actually solve that? And that was my frustration for years. And a lot of things out, of there, out there, Chris, are talking about coping mechanisms. Okay, so what do you what do you get? Let's let's run down the list, right? Let's uh, get a uh, just don't look at it. That one works really well. No, um, <laughs> right? It's too powerful. Second, get a get a um, get a um, a computer uh, web web filtering software. Get accountability software. Those are good in themselves, but again, most clients of mine are really, really smart. And if they want to find a way, they're going to find a way, right? Or they find a way to turn off VPN or, or they have VPN or they, they find a way to get around any web, web filtering, it's like anything, right? So it's not going to stop it, right? Or, you know, go to confession, receive the Eucharist. Don't stop doing these things, people. Not bad, right? But if we don't know it's about the intimacy, it's a love story, then it's going to be, now I have to do another thing. And then that that, that it just becomes overwhelming there. Or pray the rosary, right? I'm not saying stop the praying the rosary. I pray it every day. Thank God for the love of good women, especially the woman in my life. She definitely was a part of giving me that purity, right? But a lot of people find that this is just doing another thing or account, uh, getting a spiritual director or accountability partner itself. Um, if they don't, that can be great. It can be, can be advice, but if they don't know how to actually solve the problem, then it simply can lead to compounding issues here, okay? So that most people, that's what they're familiar with. Those are the answers they've heard, which don't actually solve the problem. So how do we actually solve this completely? The key here, Chris, is by learning how to see the body as God has created us to see it, right? Go back to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Adam and Eve, naked without shame. They can, Adam saw the body of Eve, saw her as a gift, Eve saw Adam not just for his 401k plan, but <laughs> saw the person, <laughs> right? And in this, they had true intimacy, right? The old phrase goes, into me see. The four deepest desires of the human heart, to see and be seen, to love and be loved. We yearn for this exodus. The fall comes in, concupiscence comes in, the desire to want to be selfish. All those things are real. But oh, how great and happy a fault of Adam that won for us so great a redeemer. St. Augustine joyfully proclaims for us, especially at the Easter vigil, right? Yes, sin is real, but guess what? Jesus Christ and his the power of redemption, that application of what he did on the cross into our life. This is what happens in every sacrament. This is what we believe as Catholics in baptism, matured in confirmation, strengthened in every Eucharist we receive, healed in every, every confession that we enter into. That's a valid confession, right? There's healing that happens and we, we enter back into those things. And because we are baptized, we have the power of the divine vision of the, the vision that God has given to us. But as I said earlier, how many of us have been shown healthy images of the body. 
the, the point of my culture is not doing this, and it's getting worse, especially with the, the whole androgyny movement, the whole transsexual movement where I believe I'm born in the wrong body, so let's cut this off, right? Let's move on from this. So this is what I write about in my book, Redeemed Vision, Setting the Blind Free from the Pornified Culture. If you message me, or Chris can set it up, I'll send you an autographed copy for 20 bucks. We'll take care of that. Um, so with this is this notion of we've got to learn how to have healthy images of the body around us so that when the counterfeit is presented to us, it loses its power. Because if, if we're genuinely drawn to be attracted to others, this is a God-given thing, but we're created to enter into genuine relationships and to see them for who they are, lust is the counterfeit that must be disposed of not the body itself, not sexual attraction, not nakedness itself, not sex. Sex is good, but it's got to be seen and used and lived in the appropriate way. And so when we actually learn how to see, when the counterfeit is presented to us, but we've been now reprogrammed, we received a redeemed vision. Oh, watch what happens, Chris. Then it's like uh, lustful images are like an annoying mosquito where I know what to do with them and I can neutralize that in about three seconds and like really see it for what it is and be like, really? I've been afraid of this my whole life? Are you freaking kidding me? I want more than anything you could potentially offer me. And because I've got that genuine relationship with the man amongst all men, Jesus Christ, who's redeemed all this and has the ability to redeem all male and female bodies, and we can enter into how to see that, oh, that is way more exciting and way more intoxicating than anything pornography or pornified images could provide. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um wanted to ask in particular too, because um, you had mentioned, you'd mentioned in one of your videos on YouTube, but you also kind of hinted at it as well um, today, you know, that when, when you began to battle lust, um, there was other things that came out such as anger and um, Kevin Voss I don't know if you've read his book on the seven deadly sins but um, it's it's a fantastic book because he talks about how each vice there's always death dealing daughters that come with it and for lust one of them is anger you know wrath because again it's that um, it's that emotional release if you will um, so Maybe can you tell me a little bit about how how the importance of you know, working on growing in virtue, how that applies in your coaching? Sure. So I, let's use an analogy for this or a, an old story. The whole Trojan War, what was it fought about? I don't know. The Helena... Helena of Troy was described as being like the most beautiful woman of those times, right? And it was two guys lusting after the same woman, and then we're going to drag the whole system in, right? <laughs> and so uh, I, there, I've had family members in the past who had no problem with like sex and lust in movies, but it's violence. We need to get rid of, rid of violence. And my whole argument is the two go hand in hand, okay? Because let's, let's just break this down in a very simple way. When Lust itself never gets us the love we're looking for. Love is about how I can make a gift of myself. Lust is about how I can take from the other person, right? And well, and, and the whole thing that the whole, the whole system that helps lust to flourish is fantasy. And it's the notion of 
what I can't really have. It's just out of reach. Right? It's just there, right? We're all these guys in their mom's basement masturbating, looking at pornography, and they 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 really want this, but they know it's it's intangible, right? And they leave their basements absolutely unfulfilled, absolutely unhappy, and there's this anger that's underneath. For me, there was this lava, this red hot lava of anger coming in here. I, I several times remember through my life, and even in grad school before. I really got to the whole vision piece. Um, I re- somebody said something pretty angry. Said something to me that just set me off, and I would literally felt like the Incredible Hulk. Like I'm going to throw a desk at this person. Okay, <laughs> and I'm like, and, and thank God I didn't. I I, I didn't do that because I had this exterior constraint in a little bit because that wouldn't be proper. But that rage is going to come out somewhere, right? And take a look at our world today, right? We're programming people to not live their sexuality as, as a gift, to be more into lustful situations than ever. And now, and again, I, this is not a, a direct correlation, but I think there's something uh, or, or uh, causative necessarily. But I think there's something to this, the fact that we have so much gun violence going on nowadays, right? People aren't receiving the love and intimacy they're looking for. They're not receiving the goodness they're looking for, and it's being fueled by all this lust in a huge way. And if I can't get what I'm really looking for, a genuine need, and I think you're keeping it from me, or you just set me off that day, I'm going to lose my, I'm going to lose myself, right? And it can lead to very, very bad situations. So what needs to happen here is a person needs to learn, first off, to be loved, that they are lovable. That's what uh, first and foremost thing that comes there. There might be some anger management. And I'm going to give you uh, a key thing of how I can deal with anger very simply. Ready, Chris? You're going to be my guinea pig. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Chris, in a really angry voice, I want you to say bubbles. Go. <laughs> uh, bubbles. That was not angry. That was <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay. So you, you can't do it, right? No, no. <laughs> Unless you have a... Unless you had a cat named Bubbles, you just like crap the bed, right? Yeah. Uh, you just can't. I can't. Take it, Bubbles, right? <laughs> Even then, I'm like, oh, Bubbles. You're always mad at Bubbles, right? <laughs> so, right. So that's going to be a key thing to just kind of to, to ease it off. There's one of the things that I, I work with clients and, and work with some of the techniques we work in freedom coaching. But I also think is is this notion, like think about a lot of comedians right now will not go on to college campuses. They will not perform anymore because we've gotten so serious. And a lot of it has to do with the fact is it's, it comes back to the notion we've been rejected and that wound goes so deep and our identity now is what I do, right? If I am, if I have, if I'm pro-choice, right? If I am into the killing of children, right? Let's not mince words. And you say that killing a child is wrong, well, then you've attacked me. Or I believe I'm, wrong, I'm in the wrong body, and I'm going to try to do something about it. And you, you come along, and, and maybe lovingly, may, I'm, but I'm not the, to the mode of the receiver, is that, gonna, is that message going to be received, right? Even if it's the truth, well, then you're a bigot. You're a homophobe. We have to hate you, right? So we don't know how to be gentle with ourselves. We don't know how to laugh at ourselves. And I think it has to do with the fact is – a lot of people, including in the Catholic Church, believe those things that we've done are irredeemable. We are living in a world right now that believes there is no Savior. And all we have to hope for is now. This, I mean, it explains like 
almost everything the way in which people are relating to. So for, again, first and foremost, can we learn that we're lovable? Can we learn to sit in that even when we're brokenness and allow Jesus Christ to love the unlovableness in this? Or to quote um, what Mel Gibson talked to Robert Downey Jr. many years ago, can you learn to hug the cactus? Can you hug the cactuses of yourself? The things that like you really like, I don't like this about myself, but I need to learn how to love that. Or as St. Francis would say, to love the leper. Who, what's the leper inside of you? What are the brokenness things in you? Right, And then from there, as that begins to get healed, we all have brokenness. I need to laugh about this. Man, I, I had an argument with my wife on Sunday. Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and even in the midst of that, I was throwing humor in there because I'm like, this is not the end all be all. We're committed. Like we are solid in our relationship enough that even though she's really mad at me, I know that this is a – Chris is laughing because he knows it's yep. true. Everywhere right. out there, right? Yeah. But if we're solid in our relationship and we are – I'm first and so, – I'm solid in my own identity. Then I'm solid in my identity as husband and wife. Then when issues come up – and I'm, this is not to blow off the issues that we have. Sometimes I don't get it, right? Um, <laughs> I need to be talked to and I need to be Mr. Theology of the Body or Mr. Freedom Coach. Let me coach you a little bit, sunshine. And <laughs> so – <laughs> it's true. So from that, and no, Chris, you can't have my wife's cell phone number. <laughs> we'll get her on a podcast and she embarrass me. <laughs> so from that is is because we're solid in that identity, then we can be real with each other and we can laugh about these things, right? And that it's not the end of the world. And so coming back to the anger thing, anger is connected to fear. Right? This is Yoda, right? Fear, anger leads to fear. Fear leads to the dark side, right? <laughs> it's like there's that Muppet has got something to tell us there. Yeah. Okay. And and in here, it's not about taking the force, whatever the heck that is, right? It's not many many chlorians. It's this notion that we're afraid of something. And usually it's this fear that you're not gonna love me. So the question is, will you surrender the fear over to Christ? That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Man, I'm quoting all these all these truisms, Truman, <laughs> right? So it's this fact that will you let him love you? Will you let him come in? Will you let him make his way with you? And then those, we get rid of that, we get rid of that, um, that we clean house, but then we begin to put things back in there so that the other demons, shall we say, maybe literally, maybe metaphorically, don't ever come back. They don't, they're not present. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so, okay. So I guess this kind of leads to to my last wrap up question. So, um, how do people get in contact with you, and what what should they expect? Um, like in their first, shall we say, introductory meeting with you? Lots of judgment and condemnation. Perfect. No, I'm kidding. Perfect. Totally kidding. Right? <laughs> no. Um. Let's take from traditional Catholicism, right? Lust is a big issue, but it's not the most serious of, of problems, okay? And that you are called to genuine freedom. That's what you can expect. The promise of freedom coaching is this, is that by the time you're done with this work, and it's not about, this is not counseling, it's coaching. There's a system here, and there's a definitive ending point, okay? Uh, and you, by that end, you will have all the tools to be done with this. Three provisos, though three asterisks. One, 
that grace of God must be made available. The life, love, and power of God must be made present to you and, and to any coach there. Two, you need to open yourself up to it. Will you open up? Open up. Let go of the, the false ways of seeing yourself and seeing others and seeing God and seeing the world. And third, will you do the work? Okay. Will you enter in and do what needs to be necessary? Not on your own willpower, but relying on grace. That's a key, key thing because willpower doesn't work in itself. You need to rely on grace. And then, yes, you got to do your work. But if you do those things, like so many of my clients, you will walk in genuine, genuine freedom. And there is, it, is, it is the pearl of great price worth selling everything. And no, you will not have to sell everything if you choose to go into freedom coaching. That's awesome. That's awesome, dude. So let's, uh, let's end. So let's say, let's uh, find out where can, where can people find you? Awesome. So I'm, I'm pretty big on social media, Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn on the first three of those, it's redeemed vision. Um, I've got a book on Amazon, redeemed vision, setting the blind free from the pornified culture. Um, I, I recommend check out my website, freedom coaching.net to learn more about that book, but also to get in touch, uh, with me, um, you can contact through there. We are in the process of training other other coaches, so um, this this just needs to get out to the world. And Chris, you're a big part of that, and I'm grateful. Oh, dude, it has been an absolute blast chatting with Thank you much. today. It's it's great. Thank you again so much. We uh, we appreciate it, and I hope that um, all of our friends who are listening will uh, seriously, you know, keep this in mind, keep your work uh, in their prayers. Um, and if, if you guys, if any of you guys are struggling, um, I would encourage you to reach out to our friend, Steve, cause he, cause I think this is, this is a big, big ministry that needs more exposure. And that's part of the reason why, um, st- when Steve reached out to me, um, you know, I was like, yeah, I want to get behind this 100% because, you know, I know for a fact that they're again, there are those, those band-aid solutions again, and some, some can get some relief from, from that, but it, it takes a serious, um, change of mind, change of heart, a healing of the emotions to really find that true freedom that God, uh, has for you. And, uh, you need somebody to walk with you through it. Um, you're not alone in this. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out Redeem Vision. Uh, the links will be in the show notes um, on Podbean, um, and you can always reach out to, to Steve or us um, through all of our, our social media. So, again, Steve, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome, my brother. An honor. God bless you, and God bless all those who are listening. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Did anything really strike you? We'd love to know. Message us on Facebook or DM on Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. Find us on Twitter at TradFriends or email us at TheologyofTheBuddy at gmail.com. We'd also love for you to send us a voicemail via Facebook Messenger. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Would you also please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes? We'd greatly appreciate it as it helps us to get noticed within the larger podcast community. Next week, Chris and I will be sitting down to discuss Catholics, casseroles, and the virtue of charity. Make sure you're subscribed so you'll know when it comes out. We'll save you a seat at the table. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so until then, stay tratty!